Welcome to Stuck in Misery, the best Midwest sports talk podcast. I'm your host, Mark Berg, and joined as always by my guys, Sam Renshin and James West. We have an absolutely loaded show for you. I'm very excited to introduce today's guest, and he's a friend of the show. He used to fill in back when this was a show we used to do on the radio at KCOU back in our days at the University of Missouri. I'm pleased to be welcomed in by Kyle Kerwin to Stuck in Misery. And Kyle, this reunion is really overdue, my man. I am excited to be with you three tonight. And I would agree with you, Mark, very much overdue. We've been talking about this for probably weeks and weeks, maybe since the summer. So uh, excited to be here and, and talk some college hoops. I want to preface it by saying, I think one of the very first memories I've had of Kerwin was our pledge semester and I don't know if we were watching this game together, but I know I was over at the house, and it was when Austin Rivers hit that buzzer beater to beat UNC. And me and Kyle were just starting to get to know each other as Pledge Brothers, and little did I know, he was a huge Duke fan. And I just remember hearing screaming or something going on. I'm like, what happened? I just run over to his room, and he's just going nuts. And, I mean, that was an iconic buzzer beater. So, Kerr, I know he knows his basketball, so this is going to be an awesome show. Great moment for the uh, the UNC Duke rivalry. I think I was so excited about that because we were in a, a study hall for the previous two hours, and it was probably the first UNC Duke game I had ever missed in my life. Ran back uh, to my room, got the TV on as fast as possible. Probably got to watch the last sixty seconds, and Austin Rivers, you know, wave over Zeller, and then nailed it right in his, his face. And I think I dented the the roof or, or the ceiling in my room by jumping up so high when I was so excited about the win. That's awesome that you remembered that. Absolutely. I was going to say, uh, you know, one of the, the image that comes to mind when it's like, oh, yeah, Kyle's, Kyle's coming on the show today. I just imagine you in your Duke, in your Duke jersey because that's it's like what you used to rock. Like every single, every single time Duke was playing, like, Kerwin, you, you, had, you had that jersey on. 100%. Um, it was the, the old J.J. Reddick, the original, the original blue. Um, <laughs> now I've been a Duke fan for a long time. Just, I don't know, I would say since about 2004. It's just the team that I've rocked with and, and stuck with my whole life. Yeah, you mentioned that Austin Rivers buzzer beater. He was one of the top recruits coming out of high school and certainly been a serviceable NBA player. I'm honestly surprised he hasn't developed more considering of how high caliber of a recruit he was coming into Duke. But that's actually a great transition off the top of we're going to break down college basketball for you guys. That just got underway last month. And with everything that's going on with the pandemic, everything gets pushed back. Football season's well underway, but college hoops is underway. And we're coming off a season where we didn't have March Madness. And we just had the NBA draft. I could probably name you maybe a half dozen players off the top of my head. But it came following year, a star-studded class with Zion Williamson, John Morant. That was two drafts ago. But headed into this season, Kyle, in your opinion, why should the casual fan care about this specific season of college basketball? This season, I would title it as unfinished business. You know, as a avid college basketball fan, it was very painful to, you know, first have the college you know, or conference tournaments ultimately canceled. And then the NCAA, especially with the field that was presented last year, you know, a really good opportunity for Dayton to be a one seed. Uh, almost undefeated San Diego State, you know, to be a to one seed. And I think a lot of people were excited to see what type of damage those teams could do in, in the tournament. So for me, it's just really unfinished business. I feel like you have a lot of prospects that, you know, put their name into the NBA and ultimately, you know, came back to college for another year. 
which, you know, in this era of the one and done, we don't get to see a whole lot. So it's awesome to have a lot of really top talent back, um, a little bit more loaded teams. And I feel like everyone almost has a chip on their shoulder just heading into this season as to showing what they got and finishing out strong. So Kyle, looking, looking kind of, obviously we're, we're about a month in, but from what you've seen so far, is there a conference that you're looking towards that is particularly strong? I mean, I know when you look at the rankings, the Big East sticks out. The Big Ten certainly sticks out. Um, is, there, is there a conference in general that, that you look towards to say, hey, there are going to be some great teams here, or, or whoever can win, win this conference is set up really nice in the tournament? Absolutely. Um, I think it's the Big Ten without a doubt. I feel like they have, you know, a handful of teams, maybe four to five that, you know, you could ultimately see cutting down the nets. Um, we just saw an Iowa team have a great game last night. Um, preseason player of the year, Luca Garza. They have a bunch of, you know, elite yet experienced guards and, you know, Frederick, Bohannon, coach's son, McCaffrey. There's also another McCaffrey on the team. I think Iowa is a team that I would probably pick preseason to, to win the Big Ten. If I had to pick a, you know, 1B, I would definitely pick Illinois. Like I mentioned, a lot of players coming back from NBA, you know, level, Ayo Desumu, I think he was a shoo-in for, for the draft, but decided to, you know, take his aim off and, and go back to Champaign for another year. Same thing with Kofi Coburn, one of the best big men in the country. And, you know, especially watching that game versus Duke last night, you just see the, the depth that their team has from experienced players to the freshmen. They have a freshman that I'm really excited about. You know, Midwest podcast, you know, a guy from uh, Chicago here, Adam Miller from Morgan Park High School. I think he's an elite shooter and so far, you know, has really you know, made, his, made his claim to, to be a person that gets big minutes on Illinois and excited to see what he can do this year. So you mentioned that game against Duke the other night where uh, Illinois won. You know, I know Cameron Stadium didn't have fans in the stands, which obviously is not a, is at a huge disadvantage for Duke. You know, usually you think of Cameron as one of those premier home court advantages. So I guess my question is, what do you make of last night's victory? Was it more so that, uh, you know, Duke just kind of didn't have that advantage or that, that's pep in their step, will you say, from that um, not having fans in the stands? Or did Illinois just flat out outplay Duke? Uh, Sam, I, I would think the latter, man. I, I would love to think that having, you know, all those screaming Cameron crazy fans right on top of everybody in that small, you know, small Cameron indoor stadium would have an effect, but I, I think it would have still been the same result. Um, Illinois just has a really experienced team. I was a little bit nervous about the game all day, understanding, you know, who's, who's coming into Durham. And uh, I have a lot of respect for Illinois, and I think they won the game. They deserve to win. Coach Underwood there is, is, is building that program into, you know, what we saw back in 04, 05. And, there was a, a few references to that, you know, D Brown, Darren Williams team last night, um, which is, you know, exciting to see. That's, that's the type of basketball I grew up watching. Yeah, I can't wait to watch how our Missouri Tigers fare against Illinois on Saturday in the Bragging Rights game. And that's actually going to be in Columbia just because of everything that's going on with the pandemic. But I, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say, hey, not so fast because you look across the SEC conference and you look at Kentucky off to a one and three start this season it's worst start in 20 years. And so 
is that something that we see long term with a blue blood program like a Duke or Kentucky as we get into conference play and as the season progresses of are you still seeing those early season hiccups once you actually get into SEC play, Big Ten play, what have you? So that would be my counter is Duke isn't the only blue blood that has slipped up early on in the season. And certainly you can't take for granted the home court advantage that you have at Cameron Indoor Stadium or at a place like Rupp Arena in Lexington or the Allen Fieldhouse at KU. You can't take that for granted because that's really not a factor this year. And I, I'm curious to see how that impacts the gambling on college basketball and how that impacts spreads moving forward as well. Um, I, I think a lot of the early season worries for the blue butt fans is, you know, the, the teams are taking early losses, sometimes really good teams, you know, uh, Kentucky lost to a Kansas team that is, you know, will finish as a top two team in the big 12. So that's, that's not a loss that the, you know, bracket committee is going to, you know, say, Oh, that was a bad loss. That's, that's just a, an elite team at this point. I, I feel like these teams with the, you know, the diaper dandies, uh, all the great freshmen are just stumbling kind of out of the gate because, you know, not, not everybody's, you know, been, been playing for a while. Um, a lot of these, you know, kids that they're in their own bubble, they haven't been playing pickup all, you know, all summer. So it feels like everybody hasn't been on a court overall. I mean, not just across the blue bloods, it's a little bit of sloppy play um, all across the league, but, I think that's something that'll iron itself out in, in regards to Kentucky. I think they had that number one recruiting class coming in players, Terrence Clark, uh, BJ Boston, Isaiah Jackson, you know, fans in Lexington, I, I would just say, you know, give this team some time, especially with the schedule that they have I'm not going to run through the gamut of games that they have had to play so far before going into the SEC schedule, but go take a look. They're playing some elite level teams. I think coach Cal even came out and said, don't blame these kids, blame me and the schedule that I put together. But um, to me, as, as I've watched Kentucky, and even as a Duke fan, I, I love to watch Kentucky games. I, I like to watch their you know, recruits come in, see where, see where they're at. And the biggest disconnect, I think, for, between this team and a lot of other teams is the point guard play. Uh, this year, they have Devin Askew running the point, who actually should be a senior in high school. He would have been the number one you know, recruited point guard coming out in that class who reclassified to go into Lexington, you know, this year. So I'm not sure he's ultimately ready. And that's, I think, been a little part of their struggles where, you know, the point guard position in Lexington is something that they could, you know, hang their hat and, and rest on assured with, you know, Ashton Hagens, Emmanuel Quickly, uh, Shea Gill, just Alexander. Sounds like the ball's been pretty good hands for a long time. And it just seems like that might be a, a little bit of a weakness on their team right now, but, like I said, BJ Boston is, you know, one of the best recruits. He reminds me of a, a Brandon Ingram and, and more of a two guard. And just the amount of length that they have on their team is, is absolutely scary. Yeah. And the game that I'm looking at, that's the get right game for the Wildcats is that December 26th matchup against Louisville, huge rivalry game and a rivalry game, in my opinion, that has prompted out of conference rivalries like a Missouri versus Kansas to reemerge because we see how passionate that is in the bluegrass state. And so that's going to be the day after Christmas, Louisville, Kentucky at the Yum Center in Louisville. 
And Chris Mack and Coach Cal have been going back and forth on Twitter all offseason. And I don't know if they're just doing this to hype up the recruiting battle, but I'm here for it. And it was like in the offseason, that was one of the big things. That's, that's a date I have circled on my calendar. I can't wait to watch this game because of how much they're going back and forth of how are you going to make sure that this game is played? Because basketball in Kentucky it's, I'd argue it's more important than religion. It's like God and college basketball, 1A, 1B, whichever way you want to rank it. I agree. I mean, it's just nice that this game could, you know, essentially happen with, you know, the beef, if you will, that happened in the offseason. But, you know, it's a game that everybody wants to see. That's one of the best rivalries in college basketball. They typically play around the new year every year. And uh, it's just nice, you know, nice that it's, it's, it's happening and we get to see the Coach Cal uh, drama. It'd be interesting to see what color uh, Papa John is, is going to wear for that game, who is out uh, flip-flop his allegiance a little bit. So, um, you know, will Papa John be in the KFC Young Marina for the game, and you know, what color will he be wearing? <laughs> yeah, you can always certainly count on Coach Kyle for, for some awesome quotes. But, Kyle, before the show, you mentioned uh, Gonzaga, a team who comes in uh, AP poll number one. Usually they're, they're always up there, I feel like. But this year it seems like especially they're getting a lot of hype led by senior Corey Kispert, and they have um, some awesome young freshmen on that team. Except I have a theory that says that Gonzaga is consistently overrated. They can never really win the big one. I know they have one of the best, you know, coaches in the country. And uh, one of my buddies, a a fan of the show, he actually texted me earlier this year before the season started. He's like, all right, I'll take Gonzaga against the field this year to win the title. Now, I, I responded without even knowing anything about the team. I was like, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that bet. And so this year with you know, some of the Blue Buds kind of stumbling out of the gate, is Gonzaga really that much better? Or do they have that much better of a shot at winning the tournament this year than they have in the past? Kyle, before you answer that question, just know that Mark Few, Gonzaga's head coach, does listen to Stuck in Misery on a weekly basis. Please give us your answer, though. We'll tweet it to him after this. I, I hope that's true because I have a lot of respect for Mark Few and what he's done with that, for that program over the last 20 years. Um, I don't think without Mark Few, a, a lot of people would know where, you know, Gonzaga University is out in Spokane, Washington. But uh, Sam, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about your bet a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I think you could, you know, put money down right now on that being a number one seed uh-huh. just with, you know, what they've done so far. You know, obviously they, they have the Jalen Suggs, the, the dual threat, you know, football, basketball, top recruit, you know, in their school's history. And he's looked the part, you know, definitely in the early season. Drew Timmy is one of the best big men, uh, really skilled inside and out. Transfer who got, you know, basically waived, you know, waived immediately from Florida. I, you know, if he would have stayed out in Florida, he would have been an SEC first teamer for me. I, and I think he's added a lot to his game more than just shooting than he had in Florida. So I think they look elite. And, you know, the thing is, Mark, Mark Few is bringing in these guys. And a, a lot of times, it's really great international recruits. I mean, consistently with Demonis Sabonis, Rui Chimura, he is finding these guys. So he is uh, one of the best recruiters for me. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention one name. Uh, I think one of the best Gonzaga players is playing on the Serbian League right now, Philip Petrusev, who, you know, was a sophomore, junior, maybe last year, was going to go to the NBA, decided not to with all the COVID concerns. And I think he's averaging a double-double in the, in the Serbian league as a rookie, where I think he would have been, you know, right there with Timmy as one of the best big men in the country, no doubt. 
we'll see. I mean, it, it just seems that they always make it to the final four and they just lose in a heart, heartbreaking fashion. I mean, they're always locked in as a number one seed. It's just until they can win that first title, I'm always just going to play, play this uh, overrated type, type of, you know. You are take. correct. You know, the, the closest they got is what, uh, maybe 2016. Lost to UNC, UNC. So, you know where I stood on that one. I, you know, was, you know, standing on my couch rooting for Gonzaga that day because that's, you know, the, the worst thing as a Duke fan to see uh, Coach Roy Williams, you know, raise that trophy. But uh, they came close, and I, I think, you know, you can lock them into the final four this year, no doubt. But uh, to win it, you know, you're going to have to beat a, an elite team or two. Unfortunately, the, you know, we've had a, a lot of games get canceled. It's, it's probably in the hundreds by now. But the one that sticks out to me was uh, Gonzaga-Baylor. And before the game happened, I tell people, this is, you know, a, a precursor to the national championship. You know, potentially, I, I think Baylor wins the Big 12. I think Baylor's a one seed. You know, I think Baylor would have been a one seed last year. But uh, as a college fan, I'm a little bit, I feel like I've been robbed, you know, of, of an ultimate great game with, with that game getting canceled. So hopefully they'll, uh, they'll be in the tournament and we'll get to see it. But, you know, I expect these eggs to, you know, if, if the Final Four is an Indy, I'd, I'd expect these eggs to be there. So you've got Baylor winning the Big 12 and not Kansas or Oklahoma State with star freshman guard Cade Cunningham. Kyle, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm already trying to concoct ways in my brain for how the Chicago Bulls can get one of the top draft picks to get Cade Cunningham and pair him with new head coach Billy Donovan, who used to coach the Florida Gators way back in the day, many, many moons ago. But you've got Cade Cunningham. You've got Evan Mobley out at USC, the big man. We mentioned Jalen Suggs with Gonzaga. Are there any other freshmen that really stick out with you? I'm already starting to look at NBA 2021 draft boards of which freshmen can be real difference makers this season in college basketball. Are there any guys that really stick out to you that specifically are freshmen? Um, I think the, the two that you mentioned there when, in Cade Cunningham and Mobley are – going to be critical just to the fact that what they're going to do for their team. Um, another guy out in the Pac-12, the Sierra Canyon product, Zaire Williams. Sierra Canyon, of course, where Bronny James plays. It's got a, you know, a lot of headlines lately. Been able to watch a couple of games for him, and boy, does he have some length. And I, I think that he's you know, going to put Stanford basketball kind of you know, back on the map, but he looks really sharp to, to start the season. Mark, that's funny. You're already looking past the season. You're just already looking for the NBA draft. I mean, that's a sign of a, of a bad, bad uh, couple of years for the franchise if you're already just looking forward until next season, huh? <laughs> I was speculating ways, you know, how could the Bulls get James Harden? You know, it looks like he, uh, <laughs> he said, he said uh, he'd be open to Philly. So it sounds like he's not just open to the Nets anymore. You know, the Bulls could use him. We, we really don't have a point guard. You know, I think Kobe White would be a great backup guard just in his career right now. Not saying that he can be, a, you know, a starting point guard. I think he has that capability, even though he went to Carolina. But we need the Bulls to have a guy, ball in his hand, and then all our complimentary pieces would kind of play off him. I, I think it's a perfect fit. So, you know, James, if you're listening, Chicago needs you. <laughs> well, I think as much as you want, too. It's not a want. It's a need. Sticking with college hoops. In years past, we've had great villains. If you want to go all the way back in the day to Christian Leitner and his days at Duke, but we've had Grayson Allen. We've mentioned J.J. Redick. 
Tyler Hansborough, Marshall Henderson. We were talking before the start of this pod, and maybe just more time needs to go on, but maybe part of it's that we didn't have a tournament last year given the pandemic and the cancellation of many conference tournaments and then subsequently the NCAA tournament. But can you guys, anyone, and James, feel free to hop in here too, of anyone who could fulfill that role as college basketball's villain this season. I was trying to rack my brain before the show, and I was just kind of drawing a blank. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, for me, being a graduate of the University of Missouri, just any Kansas player and Kansas in general is always the villain. Yeah, you got to be on a simple, cut and dry, dude. Kansas is the villain, always forever james i i will say i that's my knee jerk reaction too is isn't kansas always the villain kansas is always the villain um i mean that's, I mean, that's Mark, what i thought Mark's always been a fake missouri fan and had a soft spot for the kansas jayhawks but because of family ties but uh I feel like duke always has a villain always, oh yeah you know, oh yeah well, and that's and that's what I, I was hoping to elude that you know yeah. As I, well, it's as gotta I be my it, Duke fan pitch here, but uh, you know, it, Duke it will always be the bad guy. Coach Cal in Kentucky will always be the bad guy, but no, uh, you know, no player right now is standing out as you know the the Grayson Allen, the the Tyler Hansbro, or like you said, the Land Shark out to me right now. But I guess you know, time will tell. You know, we got to see who's who's throwing hands or who's tripping people to to maybe find out. Time will tell. It's got to be from a team that is like at least top 20 and typically a blue chip team in the sense that team that draws that, that either moves the needle or is the needle. And so it's got to be from one of those blue blood programs. And every single year, that's something that I always love because there is a spotlight on those players. You mentioned the tripping with Grayson Allen, how that was repeatedly a problem at Duke. And you see he's almost under a microscope while he's there. And I mean, if, and if you want to take that on the other side of the, the Duke, North Carolina rivalry, I mean, Tyler Hansborough and psycho T, I mean, this was something we watched every single year. And I think part of that too, with a lot of the guys that we named the differences is that they stayed in college basketball for years. They weren't just one and done players. And so not only did their own fan base become familiar with them, but also their opponents as well and their bitter, bitter rivals. And so that's something I always really enjoy watching in, in the sense that if you have a great heel, that, that's as entertaining as watching a, a team dominate the floor or shoot the lights out. Mark, but it's, it's funny you say that because all of those villains that you think of, yeah, they might be hated by the nation, but they're beloved by their fan base. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. I'd throw Joakim Noah in there, too. That's so Absolutely. true. I'd throw Joakim Noah in there, too. But that's so true because in Gainesville, I mean, I'm surprised they don't have a statue for him yet. Well, even Coach Cal, you know, one of the most, I guess, iconic and definitely one of the bigger personalities in college basketball. Like, I probably, I don't really like him, but if he was my coach, I would have his back 100% because I know – you know, he, he's, he's won before, and he just that guy who's going to, you know, get his boys ready and have their backs throughout the whole season. So that's one thing that I really do love about college hoops. I definitely watch college hoops more than I watch the NBA. But, Kyle, I might put you on the spot a little bit here, but one of my favorite things about March Madness is, you know, obviously the tournament. And there's always these guys that come up out of nowhere and lead their team to on, like, these – you know, incredible runs. I think of Steph Curry, who is now a household name, 
who made his name when he was playing for Davidson and he, and he made that run all the way, I believe, to the Final Four, um, knocking off a lot of, you know, blue bloods along the way. Most recently, maybe, you know, Jarrett Culver, who uh, went off for Texas Tech, went all the way to the, uh, I guess he, they go into the finals and lost yeah. to Villanova, uh, I want to say. Yeah, so uh, is there anyone that, you know, come March, you know, we, we probably don't know them now, but maybe in March they might make their name for themselves kind of as a sleeper type player that could really step on the, on the big stage. I don't know, Sam. I think, I think that they're not a sleeper if you can call them out right now. That's yeah, but it's still December, though, James. And it, it, while, while Kyle does a little <laughs> yeah. bit of recon, we're, we're putting IT on this right now, live on Stuck in Misery. I got to let you guys know, I still have my Tyrus Thomas stock all the way back from his Cinderella run as part of the LSU Tigers. How about oh. that Cinderella run from Florida Gulf Coast University all of those years ago when they go to the Sweet 16 and they're just dunking on everyone? And it's like <laughs> they had on the air what the size of the home gym was down in Fort Myers, Florida. And there are high schools that have larger capacity than Florida Gulf Coast University had at the time. So, Sam, I'm with you in the sense that I love seeing either a Cinderella run from a team or particular players that really emerge come March and propel themselves to an NBA career. But, but Kyle... Uh, to circle back while you were doing some research, is there anyone that you like uh, while, while we filled that time and got IT on the research? I, uh, I, got, I got some ideas here. Um, if Miami can somehow make the tournament, they have a point guard that I've been a fan of for quite some time. He's a little guy. He's got a lot of heart and he plays big. Likes. Um, didn't play last night against Purdue um, when actually Miami came back from maybe down, what, just under 20 points to, to come back and beat Purdue. I think the Big Ten's only lost last night. But um, I think that's a guy that doesn't get a lot of press in the headlines. But, you know, if you saw him by himself on a court, you know, you wouldn't know that potentially he's one, you know, one of the best cards in the country. If, if we're talking team, not player, I think out of Pittsburgh, I think Duquesne is a team that's led by a lot of experience that um, is, is playing in a really good league this year. You know, before we talked about the Big Ten, you know, one of my favorite conferences this year will be the A-10 with the amount of talent, the amount of teams that they have. Duquesne will be a great team. Uh, SLU will be an excellent team. Those are some teams that kind of just stick out. But um, uh, J James is right to a certain point. The, the sleepers will emerge here um, once we get out and, you know, into, into conference and into these conference tournaments. Saturday's matchup at Mizzou Arena in Columbia, the bragging rights game that's traditionally played in St. Louis. And that game moves to Columbia this year on a coin flip because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So history will be made in 2020 in that matchup. And I can't wait to see how Conzo Martin goes head to head against Coach Underwood for the Fighting Illini. And that, that's one thing with Illinois both of these coaches came in around the same time and jockeying for position of which head coach they were going to hire. And at the time, Illinois was trying to get Conzo and so was Mizzou and Brad Underwood was in the mix in Columbia. And so you've got this great head to head matchup against two promising teams so far. We mentioned Illinois upset over Duke 
earlier this season. And then Missouri undefeated. Missouri looks looks like they're off to a good start with Jeremiah Tillman, uh, a recruit stolen away from Illinois. And you've got Hinson and Smith as well for Mizzou. But how do you see this game unfolding on Saturday at Mizzou Arena, a rivalry game that I always enjoy watching? He nailed one of my favorite Mizzou players here so far, Jeremiah Tillman. You know, originally, you know, committed to Illinois. He went to, I believe, East St. Louis High School. And then I think he did a senior year at La Lumiere, which is a powerhouse out in Indiana. I was more than excited once he, you know, eventually decided to uh, put down the orange and blue and, and put on the black and gold. So I think there's going to be a little bit of bad blood across the board, you know, in this game where, you know, he's not the only player that uh, thought about putting on an Illinois jersey with, you know, Mark Smith, who, who did. He was, uh, you know, Mr. Basketball in Illinois, essentially went to Illinois for a year, and now he's playing for the Tigers. I don't think that the Illini are going to forget that, so I think that that's going to make on their game. I'd say one other thing that kind of sticks out to me within the matchup is just the Chicago talent that's, you know, going to be within this game. Mentioned Adam Miller before coming out of Morgan Park High School, but my favorite Mizzou Tiger would probably be Xavier Pinson, who is from Simeon, you know, same school as Taylor Horton Tucker, Jabari Parker. And, you know, you're waiting for me to say, Mark, I could tell Mr. Derek Rose. He's uh, he's one of my favorite players. I'm excited to watch these guys that, you know, have probably been playing, you know, against each other in the AU circuit for a long time. That's probably the, uh, the piece that I'm looking forward to more that, than anything else is watching all these guys. And it's going to be a battle. It, the game is typically a battle, but I think this year more than ever, it's going to be uh, nothing held back. Man, you got me pumped up for this game, man. I'm excited for this now. Yeah, and yeah. here's the thing with Tillman, too, is you got to keep him out of foul trouble. This is a guy who's a five-star recruit coming out of high school, and he's shown flashes in the past. I hope this season is the one where you can put it all together because I'll be honest with you, I'm honestly surprised he's still in Columbia and he's not on his way into the league. But if he can't stay on the floor because of ticky-tack fouls, he's got to figure out a way to stay on the floor because he's so effective if he can stay on the court and stay out of foul trouble. And that's where he's gotten in trouble in the past. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, across the board and kind of, I'm piggybacking off of what you said, Mark, and I'll get there eventually. But this Mizzou team, from what I've seen so far in their games against Oregon, especially, was how well Quanzo Martin has coached this team into playing defense. You know, I mean, I, I look at a couple of top 10 teams uh, in a game that I watched last night in Creighton and Kansas, and I felt that neither of these teams, at least like from an eye test perspective, played as disciplined of defense as, as from what I saw from Mizzou. And obviously there's talent gaps there between the opponents that they're playing and the teams themselves. But one thing with that Missouri defense and the foul trouble that you saw in Oregon was when the Mizzou shooters went cold for a second, the team's defense kind of floundered, and then you started to see them get into, get into some foul trouble as well. So I think, I think one of the keys to, I guess, Tillman staying out of foul trouble and really him being the anchor of that Mizzou defense is for, I mean, honestly, for the shooters to, to stay hot and for them to take high-quality shots and to not go on cold streaks of shooting. I think there's something to that, James, with, you know, if you think uh, Quanza Martin, I think of, you know, a tough-nosed team, a defensive-minded team. And I, I think that's what we've gotten with Mizzou over the past few years where, you know, we turn on now and, 
uh, you know, I'm not sure if Mizzou has any freshmen, maybe one on their team. So we have a really experienced team here. And it's starting to feel like the offense is, is coming together. And when you have defense at your core and, you know, you're starting to knock down those shots consistently, it's going to make you dangerous. And, and I think that they can make some, you know, make some noise here in the SEC that might be a little bit down um, and compared to other years. But, uh, you know, with, with Barton there, they're starting to make shots. Um, it, it's going to be a battle. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I'm, it, it's one of the, one of the games probably I'm, I'm circled, you know, and then circle again on your calendar. And uh, just found out recently it was going to be in Mizzou. I, I usually complain that the game's in St. Louis because I'm, I'm up here in Chicago and uh, always during the holidays and never get to go to the game. So I'm always lobbying for them to have it at the United Center not so much champagne, but, uh, you know, United Center. And then I'm not sure if they still call it Scotch right in, in St. Louis, wherever, wherever the Blues play. But uh, they got to they switch it up. Sam, have you been to that game in St. Louis, the Bragging Rights game? Have you been in person? No, I, I've never got around to it. I've, I've, I've always wanted to, um, but just for one reason or another, I just never had a chance to go. But, yeah, I mean, I'm – I'm looking forward to it. It's a bummer there's not going to be fans in the stands this, this year for it because, um, you know, I feel like the, the rivalry keeps getting better and better each year. So it's going to take a, a team effort. It seems like we might not have a guy that can really take over a game. I mean, maybe Tillman's that guy, but like Kerwin, you know, alluded to, there's going to be a lot of bad blood on the court. So I'm pumped to watch it, boys. It's going to be a good one. Let's buckle up. Yeah, and Illinois can shoot the lights out. 54% from the floor, averaging nearly 90 points per game through four games this season. And it's not like Illinois has played all scrub can, scrub teams. They knocked off Duke, and this would be a huge upset for Missouri, even at home, given the fact that Illinois is ranked number six headed into this one. And so it's a lot more at stake than in previous years where it's like, okay, a nice Midwest out-of-conference rivalry, but – there are real stakes in this one, and this would be a, a pretty signature win if Missouri's able to pull off the upset. Totally. And I think, too, just from when, when you watch these rivalry games, especially in basketball, uh, and I think of, you know, Missouri-Kansas, Kansas is almost always a vastly superior team. Upsets happen. And especially in basketball, I think upsets happen significantly more. So, you know, like – like Kyle said, these guys have been playing each other on the AAU circuit. Like there's some, there's some competition there. There's some, maybe some bad blood from recruiting flips and switches. So it'll be really exciting to watch. And I mean, if Mizzou pulled off the upset, it, it wouldn't be the first time that they pull off an upset against, uh, against the Illini. Yeah. Um, Karen, you mentioned that, you know, the strength of the SEC might be down this year. I was actually really surprised to see that only Tennessee's ranked right now. But my question is kind of like, you know, what is, is a realistic expectation for this Mizzou team? Do we have to dominate the SEC to, you know, get, get a bid? Or kind of do you think that we can play, if we play to our potential, that we should be a tournament team? Or are we kind of right on the cusp? Or kind of what, what are you kind of expecting out of this team this year? I think Mark alluded to, you know, there, there's more at stake this year. And I think there's a lot, you know, a lot to that. Um, I think expectations are a little bit raised with, you know, how they've been playing so far. Mm-hmm. And it, it's nice that, you know, we, we do have our, a lot of the core guys, if not all of them back. Right. Um, you know, right now I consider them a, a tournament team. You know, I, I don't think they'll have to, you know, win a bunch of game in, games in the SEC tournament to essentially to win. But it, I think the name of the game for Mizzou is going to be consistency. 
you can't take a lot of, you know, bad losses, you know, in the SEC where uh, you said Tennessee is the only team ranked. I'm surprised Arkansas is not ranked right now with kind of what they're doing. You know, Kentucky will be there, of course, but, you know, I, you know, ten, if we're picking, you know, all the conference winners across the board, you know, you got to go Tennessee. Uh, they've looked really great last night. What, what Mr. Barnes is doing out there in Knoxville, um, he's, uh, he's building up a program. I, I, I love what's going on down there. Yeah, he does this, though, where he'll bring in talent, and he did this at Texas, too. He brings in all the talent in the world, and at the end of the day, he's only been to one Final Four. And so Tennessee, they, there's times they look good, and it's like this team's poised for a Final Four run, but we know with what history has shown us with Rick Barnes that there's a ceiling to how, how far he can take a team. And uh, with Missouri, I certainly expect Missouri to make the tournament back-to-back seasons of about 500 basketball since Conzo's first season as head coach. That's not going to get it done in this conference, and that's not why the Tigers bring him in to lead this program. And so getting back to the tournament certainly is my expectation for Missouri. And that starts with – on Saturday, I really think that's the first – kind of big matchup for Missouri this season. And even if they don't pull off the upset, how they play, I think is going to be pretty indicative of what kind of team we see this season in Columbia. Yeah. I mean, you can probably argue that it it means more to Mizzou than it means to Illinois because Mizzou had, you know, has a top 10 matchup where Illinois is going to have these big matchups. Like you talked about earlier, Iowa and, and teams like that throughout the year where Mizzou might only get a few chances at these big you know, ranked team. So they're going to have to play well and you're, they're going to be ultimately by the end of the season, they're going to be judged by this, by this game. Fellas, as we start to wrap up here on stuck in misery, final thoughts, this has been a lot of fun, this conversation talking college hoops, and I can't believe we're already a few weeks underway into the season, but final thoughts before signing off here, James, I'll start with you. Well, I'm going to take it a little in a little bit of a different direction from college hoops. Uh, our Missouri Tigers breaking uh, into the college football playoff at number 25 this week. I was watching all like the Instagram videos of Drink, and this guy just got me so hyped up for the future of Mizzou football. I, you know, <laughs> I got it that I got to bring it up on an NCAA basketball pod, you know. But uh, I'm very excited about the future. Hopefully, as we come into the early signing period, breaking that. Breaking into the rankings uh, is just one more, I guess, data point that Mizzou coaching staff can use to bring in some players, hopefully flip some recruits, solidify the others, and start to build a a really great future for our Tigers so we can kind of get back into the hunt and out of the sewers of the SEC East. Dude, James, I was so pumped watching that locker room uh, celebration when they were doing that song. I had to go look up the lyrics just so I knew what they were saying. Sammy, can you (laughs) sing it for us, please? Uh, no, not right now, but I don't want my ears to bleed. You seem like a guy that you want to play for, you know, coach drink, baby. Who would have thought uh, that Missouri would have been ranked in coach drinks first season though. I certainly did not expect that. And I would say he's exceeded every expectation in year one. I'd agree with you there, Mark. And, um, I, I think more than anything else, I think the ranking was earned more than anything else in their deserving of, of getting consideration. If, you know, who are their losses right now? Alabama, Florida, you know, they're, they're trying to put – oh, Tennessee might be a bad loss in my mind. They were ranked at the time. Right. They were yeah. ranked at the time, and look at the caliber of recruit that t- traditionally comes from Knoxville. Now, how you develop that recruit is an entirely different story, but I can tell you this having lived in both places, fellas, 
the caliber of recruit that comes through the University of Tennessee football program compared to Missouri. It's night and day. I think you can also add in, add in here that uh, Bazelak wasn't the starter at that point either. So it's I feel like once he got the start, the Mizzou team completely transformed and started on the on the uh, upswing. Yeah, and like a 14-point dog to Georgia this weekend. So we'll see how Missouri can fare in a game that has been rescheduled. I'm happy that Missouri can play against Georgia. And I know, James, that's the game you wanted at the start of the season for Missouri to win. I, I told you guys this from the very start of the season. As long as Missouri took care of Kentucky this season and snapped that five-game losing streak – to the Wildcats. Everything else has been icing on the cake for me. Yeah, we probably lucked out a little bit having that push back later in the season because we're a better team now than we were earlier a month ago when we were supposed to play this game. That's going to be another, you know, big Mizzou game. A lot, a lot of Mizzou action this weekend, fellas. So Big Saturday. Big yep. Mizzou Saturday. Big Saturday. I tell you what, as, as we sign off here, if Missouri does upset Georgia, if we can get the twofer on Saturday with the upset of Georgia – and and a win in the bragging rights game this weekend as well fellas knock on wood mark yeah right i'm knocking on wood right now james and sam i said this has been mizzou's apex for some time if we can get wins in both of those games i'm gonna be over the moon sam if we win one of those games will you sing for us next week <laughs> i love this i love this this is the pod i love, no, I love this karaoke, so we'll see Kyle, if we win, if we win uh, against Illinois, will you come back on and sing for us? Happy to come back anytime. Uh, my my talents are not singing. Um, if I have any at all, it's 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 not singing. But uh, happy happy to come back and uh, recap that game out in Como. That sounds fun. Kyle Kerwin, thank you for joining Stuck in Misery. You are welcome back at any point in time. And it was fun finding some old photos of you in the KCOU studios when we used to fill in for the show back in the day. But it's good to see your face. And uh, thanks so much, my man. Really, really had a good time with you guys. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Love the show. Love what you guys are doing. And I'm happy to be a part of it today, man. Thank you. For Kyle Kerwin. And Sam Renshin and James West, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for listening to Stuck in Misery. Please go rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to the show. So we're on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, what have you. Take care, everyone. So long. Enjoy the action. See you next time.